y'all. Welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. I'm Michelle. I'm Christina. Welcome to the table, sisters. Hey. <laughs> Welcome me. How are y'all doing today? Well. <laughs> <laughs> we have the time to answer that question it's like one of my least favorite questions already (laughs) but I do this sort of like practicing practicing the honesty the authenticity that it takes to build relationships so it's good it's good for us to both continue to ask that question and also to say I need about seven hours so let's meet up after this (laughs) okay Cash me outside. Yeah. This is right. Cash right. me outside. <laughs> with, with food and chocolate, yes. Oh, Lord, put some wine on it. Mm. <laughs> Good for the stomach. There you go. <laughs> How about you, C? How you doing, girl? Yeah, I. you know what? Uh... I think I'm doing okay. I think so. I think I'm doing pretty good. You know, you never, you never know for sure, for sure, but uh, <laughs> I think I'm doing okay today. It's just... Mm. Uh, Sometimes I don't really know how I'm doing until I feel it in my body. Like my, mm. you know, I'm a more, I'm kind of somatic in that way. Yeah. And so, you know, when my test, my, my, uh, my chest tightens or I get like a back pain, I'm like, Oh, I think I might be stressed. So my body's feeling, my body's feeling like 85% right now. So that's okay. good. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm good enough. So. Mm-hmm. No, that's right. Yeah. No, that's right. And how are you today? Well, you know, um, I am in between, you know, I woke up this morning and I had a bit of a panic. I felt like Georgina, like, no, no, no. You know, uh, sometimes mm-hmm. the reality of the fact that Trump is um, our president hits me. Mm-hmm. And then I go, I'm like, oh, I start freaking out a little bit. And so that, that oh, happened this yeah. morning. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, you know, and then I thought about Resurrection Sunday. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm still going to bask in the overflow. Mm-hmm. Because let me tell you, the worship team went in. Okay, Amen. They, don't cry, and I was just slain. Okay, <laughs> spirit. I just went. I went right back to that place. I was like, no, I will worship right now, and, so, and that's what I did. So I'm still trying to bask in the overflow, you know. But every time, you know, sometimes the reality of our the state of the U.S. just hits me, and I'm like, ah. But I just run. I run. I run to the Lord. And so, so Amen. I'm, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm maintaining by God's grace. I am maintaining. So, Amen. Uh, so now, you know, which dovetails greatly into the topic today, y'all. Uh, so right. given the fact, right, that the three of us are in ministry, we have public ministries, and if we didn't before, then we do now, thanks to Truth Table. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, we thought it would be beneficial to bring the Black Reform Women's Survival Guide to the table. What? Okay. <laughs> this is a very necessary guide, and yeah. so we want to bring mm. it to to the table um, and and be able to equip our listeners. So as the title of the guide states, this is a love letter written with the diverse black women of the world in mind. So, uh, so I know in your ministries, I'm sure you all have faced conflict, um, uh, tension, pushback um, of all sorts. uh, You know, I mean, maybe that's just putting it mildly, right? Uh, How exactly do you, go about addressing conflict uh, when people are opposing you? What does that look like for you? Like what is in your survival 
um, guide? What is in, what are some tips that you have, um, for our listeners who may be in similar situations, or maybe they don't even have a public ministry, but they're, um, in the pews and maybe they're saying, uh, hard things and truth telling maybe on social media and maybe fellow congregants don't appreciate that. So, and, and they're sometimes opposed, you know, um, say on a Sunday morning. So what does that look like? What are some tips that you, uh, would give our listeners, um, our, our particularly our black women who are in these circles and are needing to be able to continue to persevere in the face of opposition. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really, that is a really strong intro, especially mm-hmm. considering, um, so much of our su- survival. I mean, now, you know, I'm the resident Uber extrovert. So, so much of, <laughs> so Uber. much of my survival depends on um, seeing our sisters survive, seeing them take risks and often checking in on each other and saying, hey, you know what? I need you to survive. Come on, Hezekiah Walker. Yes. Where you're in this space where not only is your survival critical to uh, sustaining, to helping to sustain my hope, but Mm. I actually need you uh, to make it. Uh, so sure. that we're all in this long marathon moving towards justice together. So I, I like to subtitle this guide for color girls who consider giving up when their imago day isn't enough. Oh Come my, on. my. <laughs> Come on. You might That's be a, a poet. Great <laughs> that is, say it again. It just for, the, for all the say women of again. color, all the women of color who walk in the spaces and they look around and say, I am not safe. I am not free, um, but I, I know, I know that I have to make it in order for my children or my little nieces or whomever who's coming behind me, my baby sisters, to, to be safe and to be free. We, we survive for one another, and the survival of one another is how we make it. So I do a lot of testifying to my appreciation for friendship, and mm-hmm. I I have a deep, well, multiple deep wounds from people who ally themselves in more of a Nicodemus position in the middle of the mm. night asking you, well, what, you know, how can, how can I help? How can I help privately? Um, and so learning to give different um, ideas, mm. opinions, and answers to our friends upon whom we have to show mercy and to our friends that we know as peers, as comrades, as 100% for us outside and inside of the sanctuary. I I think that it's important for us to value friendship and also to be aware that our survival is as reformed women, 100% based in the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's the place to start. I can't lean on the understandings of even my own people all the time. We have right, to lean right. together on the truth of God. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. So that sounds like mm-hmm. kind of community. It sounds like that's what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. That's good. How about you, C? So, so yeah, in terms of how to deal with um, conflict, because I think mm-hmm. that's that's really what's a, what what's kind of... Um, we're talking about in some ways, like how do we deal with that? And um, I actually believe in transformational conflict, mm-hmm. which I'm sure someone's listening who's like a conflict avoidant person that probably made their stomach hurt the fact <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. that I even said that. But um, I actually think that uh, conflict, 
for conflict to even emerge requires some degree of boldness and um because I think a lot of people are really comfortable with a fake sense of peace. Mm-hmm. And even if it's killing people on the inside, right? And, and I think in mm-hmm. real life. And in real life, yes. Mm-hmm. And so um so I think when you see conflict as being something in which if engaged redemptively can bring forth transformation, then that helps you with kind of fear that comes out of conflict of which we see expressed as like conflict avoidance. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, so that's, that's one piece of it is that to, to not see all conflict as a personal attack, but to see it sometimes as an expression of um, a systemic reality or a spiritual reality that needs to be dealt with. And um, it, it's, it's excruciating or painful or anxiety provoking, but it actually is also an opportunity. So that reframing is a bit of what I do um, when I'm kind of talking to myself. Um, And also, I think one of the things I would have in that that survival guide is to pray um, and read the word so that we might be able to discern uh, when it is we need to give an account for ourselves Mm -hmm. and when it is that we're in a situation in which we might be giving pearls to pigs. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I'm often inclined, I tend to, I tend to err on the side of, um, engagement. So, um, if, so if I don't know, if I don't know your heart, cause I don't know your heart, I'm more inclined to say, okay, well, okay, well, I'll answer your question or what, what do you have to say? But I do think, um, you know, there's a real cost to that. So I just think being able to pray, um, and to read God's word, to be able to make sure that, you know, when it, you know, sometimes people are being manipulative with their questions. Their questions are not sincere. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, their questions are like, kind of like gotcha questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- those aren't, that's not really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. And it can actually leave them uh, emboldened. Um, it's not good. It's not good for their spiritual development to enable that kind of foolishness either. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a part of, I think, that survival guide is, is developing the discernment to know when, when we need to give an account, because everybody is, needs, we need to be mutually submitting to each other and being yeah. able to articulate why we take positions that we take or why we speak the way we speak. Um, but at the same time, we need to know when, you know, it's, it's time to say, I'm not answering that question, not today. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's good. Oh, sure. mm-hmm. That is good. Now, how about how you, Kimberly? Well, um, for me, I, well, when I think about conflict or tension i mean i really think well i I should say a couple things our faith is like centered on conflict and tension i mean we believe in the god man jesus christ the hypostatic union holds that jesus christ is 100 percent god and 100 percent man tension Hello. Um, we say Jesus Christ was a man who walked and lived on this earth, a historical person, and yet he was also God. We say mm-hmm. that he was not we, the Bible says, you know, he was crucified Amen. and died, you know, for our sins, buried and raised, right? And he got up out that grave. And mm-hmm. CNN is looking for Jesus, can't find him. The Discovery Uh-oh. Channel looking for Jesus and can't find him. His history <laughs> channel is looking for Jesus and can't find him and won't find him, right? Uh, but we see him 
clearly because we see him high and lifted up, seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, right. and he will come back to judge both the living and the dead. We believe that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we believe uh, in Genesis 1. We, we believe in the, uh, the story of creation. Mm-hmm. We believe that a serpent literally did talk to Adam and Eve, and we believe that serpent was Satan. I mean, there's tension. <laughs> have you seen a snake talk? First of all, if I see a snake, I'm running. Like, you know what I mean? Right, there hello, is hello. tension, tension, tension. You know, and so as Christians, we should be able um, to, we're versed, we should be. Anyway, um, be reversed in dealing with, with conflict. So we shouldn't be conflict avoidant at all, you know, mm-hmm. because our very faith embodies that, that tension, you know, and that, mm-hmm. and when we see things that don't maybe I add up scientifically, that's when we have to embrace, um, our finiteness, right? That's mm-hmm. where faith, th- there is no faith absent of tension, right? Of actual mm-hmm. biblical tension in the Bible. I mean, because if we could figure out everything out, then you don't need faith, you know, who hopes for what they can see, mm-hmm. you know? And so, so I think about that Come just on. in a full orbed, you know, a sense. Right. And then I think about me, I'm just naturally, um, uh, I'm not conflict avoidant. I have a clap back on my tongue, always ready. With the petty. <laughs> I'm always ready with the petty. And this is the problem. And if <laughs> clap back, if clap back, ready with, with the petty, I'm always ready she with the petty. There. I stay oh, sitting on ready. I sit on ready. And so, <laughs> Clap back was a fruit of the spirit, boy. I tell you, I would be the tree, okay? I would be the very root, okay? So I hold on, I have got to hold on to the book of James. And the spirit brottles my tongue. And I can say this that the spirit really is at work, has really, really helped me, particularly um, with regard to our latest conflict and opposition and whatever you want to call it. Um, The Holy Spirit really did. Help whatever me, you want to whatever you want to call it, you know, um, yeah. and, and so that, so, so I think about that. Right. And so I'm like, Lord, help me. <laughs> how, how do yes, I, how, how do, how do I discern which, which conflicts to engage, which ones not to, which, which mm-hmm. people to respond to, which ones not to, um, yeah. I'm often trying to look at the example, um, of, of Jesus, of course. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think about, I'm thinking about a couple of things. Cause I'm thinking about what you said about community and how important that is and how we take that for mm-hmm. granted, um, Michelle. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking about, I'm going back to Genesis like one and two and seeing Adam and Eve, they're together in that garden. Mm-hmm. Right. And in Genesis mm-hmm. three, we see the serpent, uh, approaches, you know, Eve mm-hmm. and tempting and, and, and Adam as well. Right. But the judgment didn't come until Adam ate. Okay. Don't, don't nobody really stand on that, but people need to put more emphasis on that. But you know, the, 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 you know, the judgment came into play when Adam actually ate of the fruit. And so they had one another before the fall, they were both sinless. Right. And so they could have with, they could have withstood, they could have stood against that temptation and yet they chose you know, the, the other option. Right. And so, and plunged us into sin, death and misery. And so they had one another. And then I think I fast forward to Luke four and Matthew four, where we see the spirit of God led Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ into the wilderness. And so when I see conflict and tension that we should know, it it, it ain't the devil that's always busy. We think that, but naturally that's Mm -hmm. our default, but actually the spirit of God is on the move. Mm -hmm. And so what's going to happen? Will God get the glory or or will Satan rejoice? That's the thing, 
mm-hmm. know, and that's always the question put before me. Mm-hmm. And so when I go into my clapback, um, which, <laughs> which is that's sitting in my flesh, then the devil is happy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but when I restrain myself mm-hmm. <laughs> and really look at this, you know, through the eyes uh, of the spirit, then I can see, oh, snaps, this is the opportunity for the spirit of God to get glory. And so we see the spirit taking Jesus um, into the wilderness and he's tempted, mm. you know, by Satan. And what does Jesus do? He fights with the sword of the spirit, right? Of course, which is the word of God. Um, and we see though that his temptation, cause he's the last Adam is different from, it's similar, but different from Adam's in that Jesus, Jesus is in a pre-fall in, in the post-fall context, right? Mm-hmm. So he's, the fall has occurred, which is why he's here, you know, um, in that wilderness, he's tempted. And then, um, he, um, he triumphs over Satan, obviously, in that moment. He didn't yeah. fall, right? Had he fallen, we would be confirmed in our fallenness. We would be confirmed in our sinfulness with no way of escape. So we praise God that that didn't happen. But he also mm-hmm. did not have a sinless equal to help him. He did not have a companion in that wilderness. Mm-hmm. It was him and him alone in that garden. And so we have to, we got to press. And I say all that to say we need to press into community. When these um, conflicts happen, we need to say, we need to, judge it and go, is this, is this a legitimate pushback mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. is this bogus, right? Is this person, mm-hmm. like, as you said, um, Christina, is this person actually seeking to understand, which is what I often say, or is this person seeking to undermine, yeah, right? And I, I usually can discern that based on the content of what they're, they're pushing back on. Usually sometimes if there's a, Sometimes the pushback will be like an ad hominem attack, which I know, okay, don't answer that. Yeah. Because you're mm. going to want to clap back. So don't do it. Don't <laughs> do it. Don't do it. Resist it. Resist. I, have to, I have to talk to myself. And so that's what I have to tell myself. But then yes. if somebody's really yeah. having a legitimate question, oftentimes they come humbly, Absolutely. usually. Oftentimes yeah, they're going to come with, mm-hmm. yeah, come privately, usually. Mm-hmm. And they'll come with scripture, you know, and so, and I will take that yeah. into counsel. And I know that scripture interprets scripture. And then if I, if I'm not seeing it the way this person's seeing it, then I'm going to take it to my community. Um, So that might be a a pastor. That might be y'all. It it might be, uh, it might be another good five to 10 people that I'll take it to um, because none of us are above reproach. So that, so there's a couple of ways that I go about discerning whether somebody is seeking to understand or undermine. Um, and then, you know, and if, if, if there are personal attacks, then I, I have to fight the clap back <laughs> in yeah. me, you know, yeah. to not yeah. actually fight fire with fire. So those are, those are kind of what's in my bag. I know that was a lot, but that's kind of what my, I don't know. That's I go. That's what comes to mind when I'm thinking, you know, about man. Is there somebody that's bringing something that's legitimate or not? Or sometimes somebody bringing their hurt feelings in their conviction that the spirit used to convict them, and are they laying that weight on me? Yeah. You know where, and, and oftentimes I have to send them back with all humility and all grace, and Absolutely. ask them to take that what you feel and submit that to the spirit take it in prayer seriously mm-hmm. because if you're responding because you're not necessarily responding to the content of my lecture or my talk that's usually when i get you know the clap back right and i gotta bounce because i never know who's gonna come for me you know so but i oftentimes i'm like well i i'm gonna push you to pray and ask, and I'll, I'll i'll say i'm taking what you're saying but i'm gonna ask you to go and pray and ask what the spirit of the lord 
might be speaking to you about that, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but. <laughs> yeah. and absolutely. You actually brought out one of the key, if not the primary, you know, maybe above community or even above sort of uh, discerning is prayer and mm, supplication right. of the spirit right. and uh, sitting in silence to hear what the Lord might say is the thing that restrains you, that uh, that enables us to resist the clapback. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if I'm not prayed up before I give a single address, Girl. then I don't have the defense <laughs> of I've carefully chosen my words and I don't have the grace and humility right. to say, you know what? I should not have used those words. So mm-hmm. our ability to not just resolve conflict for the sake of seeking peace, yeah. um, mm-hmm. but to resolve it for the sake of mutual growth. And, yeah. and I mean, actually, especially when conflict comes from people in the house, right. we want to resolve conflict for the sake of being grown into each other so mm. that we might be a dwelling place for God. Ephesians is where I sit mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And I, I actually want to see myself bound into a loving, non-hesitant, authentic relationship with people who disagree with me. Mm. And I, I do that not simply because I enjoy reconciliation, praise God, I enjoy right. reconciliation, but all of that is a gift of the spirit that comes through the purifying of the self through God's work, through the Holy Spirit. So prayer um, through our belief that you beautifully laid out a Kimini is mm. essential mm-hmm. to survival, both being a good friend with people who agree with you and being a good, hopefully growing into friendship with, with people who disagree with you. I think it's also very important for us to know our purpose and our audience right. yes. so that we're able, I mean, you brought up briefly recent conflict that we, the three of us have endured and that we continue to face. It's so important for us to be able to stand firm on who are our love letters written to, Amen. Um, who are these, who are these topics, these episodes addressing. And then for our listeners who don't find themselves in public ministry, the platforms that you have in your church, even in your home, among mm-hmm. your children, there's going to come a time when somebody going to tell their friend at school what mommy does. And mm-hmm. people will have a problem with whether it be child rearing, whether it be discussions on politics and who we voted for and how we think that should be handled. We have to be ready to say, I, I am a servant to whatever cause God has built you for. Um, and in that, we have the ability to discuss, I would love to clarify anything that's confusing you. And you're mm-hmm. able to do it out of a heart of grace and out of, um, as a person who can testify to having received much grace. Absolutely. So, the other piece that has really inspired me to keep on is digging into our history. So black right. women. Mm-hmm. In the United States, and and not just even here, right? We got testimonies from uh, our friends and neighbors in South America. Testimonies from yeah. our aunties and literal family members for some of us in the <laughs> motherland. We we have testimonies of people who have endured so much. So if you haven't, if our listeners haven't heard the resistance series, please go hear the stories right. of good. the women who have inspired us, and please look at. The people who are the most marginalized in your world today, 
mm-hmm. to watch and to learn not only how they survive, but how their stories of struggle could lead to your understanding that triumph does not always mean you mm-hmm. triumph with no scars. And I really have um, been very blessed. I've been blessed by God to work with people who could not testify that they have seen God. And I've been blessed by God to work with people, hopefully as the aroma of Christ. I can only pray that I represent that. But I've been blessed to watch people come to me and talk to me as a sister and a friend, people who have never stepped foot in a church. Um, Part of my survival is in going out to the spaces that folks in the church don't always think need the gospel Hmm. to to be that witness, to be that equal. You know, I I look at myself as an equal to those people. And my survival really often is is built upon the stories of folks who help me to broaden my perspective. We don't always remember to Hmm. seek out people who are more marginalized than us to hear from them, how do you survive? Because I need you to survive as well. Mm, That's Mm. good. Absolutely. And you know, and I was thinking, um, just listening to both of you um, sharing, I started to think about, so, so what do we do when there is legitimate criticism? Yeah. (laughs) Right. And what's interesting about this is that when you are really aware that people overly judge you um, Mm -hmm. because of the wickedness of social sin. Right. So, so a lot of folks, they'll say they believe in total depravity, but apparently it doesn't manifest in, (laughs) in racism or sexism, which is just, Uh which just floors me theologically. It's just such an anemic Mm -hmm such an anemic view of, of, uh, total depravity. Mm-hmm. And, but we are all aware that because of who we are, because of the, the skin that we're in, because of the bodies that we are in, um, that there are people who have a hard time hearing from us. And so, so we know that's the reality and they respond to us in a way that may be different than people that they have an easier time hearing from. Right. Cause those people, mm-hmm. it's a part of narcissism. Right. So we're, we're much more accepting of people who remind us of ourselves. Absolutely. Um, and so, but, but here's the thing, is there a way and is there a space to even hear uh, criticism from people who, you know, actually don't mean you well, Mm-hmm. <laughs> at all mm-hmm. how do you still look for the potential nugget or kernel of truth and so as a person who believes that God can and does you know uh, he, that God is able to you know hit a straight lick with a crooked stick mm-hmm. um, it has it has helped me to better be able to listen to people's criticism, even though I know they might not have any leg to stand on in criticizing me. They might in some ways be quite hypocritical. I'm still, I, I'm still, um, as much as God has shown me aware of just how broken I am. And right. so in as much as I'm able to see my brokenness, I'm also saying, is there something in there that is for me to listen to? Is there something in there for me to consider, to sit with? And that's hard to do, especially when it's coming from the mouth of somebody who you know is tripping Mm -hmm. and whose intentions might be dead wrong and wicked, whether they know it or not. Um, I know that 
I'm still held accountable to hear truth, no yeah. matter who it's coming from. Exactly. And, exactly. and as a person who at times by God's grace might say something that's true, but I know that people can't hear it from me because I'm me. <laughs> I, I, ha I have to be able to hear or look for or search for or dig for the kernel of truth, even from the lips of those who despise me. Mm. And I, I'm convinced that when you're able to do that, when you when you grow like the spiritual maturity to do that, um, that there's a real blessing in it, that there's mm -hmm. a blessing to be able to, to search for it and to find kernels of truth no matter where they come from. Because ultimately, that's what we deal with. Mm -hmm. we, we have created a space where we talk about little T truth and we talk about the big T truth, Jesus Christ himself. Mm -hmm. And we know that there are people who, who may be uh, tuning in um, who, who can't hear us because we're mm -hmm. us, because <laughs> we're us. But yet we're hoping if, if they gonna if they gonna listen or, or they could just go away too. Um, but if they <laughs> they could do that that's too, always that's always an option, y'all. This is optional listening. Hallelujah. Um, um, but if you're going to stay, then stay with the attitude of Lord, search me. Mm -hmm. Do I have a problem with the lips the lips that are saying this? Mm -hmm. And am I still able to hear truth whenever you send it? And so that's something, that's a prayer that I say about, say in regards to the people who listen to maybe this podcast or when I'm teaching in different spaces, but it's a prayer that comes out of knowing what it feels like to have people size you up and dismiss you based on who you are before you even talk. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, so that's a piece of it. Um, and so being able to hear the truth, look, there's nothing actually more provocative than the truth. The reason why mm -hmm. I think truth's table, uh, you know, we had the, whatever, whatever you want to call it, the controversy, the truth, you know, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I, I, it wasn't because we were lying. Right. That's and we not why it was anything radical. There was nothing radical about what nah, we said. Nah, there are other oh, people, listen. there are other people who look different than us that say it all the time, but, uh -oh. but what, but what made it so <laughs> piercing, I'm just telling the truth, y'all. What made it so piercing is that there was some truth in it. Mm -hmm. and, and the truth is always more provocative as a therapist. Honestly, the most, you know, um, when I've had to tell people the truth about what the guy they're dating is doing to their daughter, mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. Or when I've had to tell people the truth about the yeah. consequences of their parenting on their adult child now, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. they didn't fall out and cry because I was lying to them. Right, right, <laughs> right. They were upset because it was true. Mm -hmm. It was true. And and when I look at our at our Lord, who is uh, the poster, you know the you know the epitome of truth. He is the truth. Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't get nailed to the cross because he lied. Mm -hmm. He got nailed to the cross because he told the truth mm -hmm. to the very end, to the very end. Mm -hmm. And so I think uh, we should know that holy truth comes at a cost. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, we as, as you know, broken folks, um, we have to be able to listen to criticism, but we know that the most provocative things that we will say will be things that are actually rooted in the word, which is the truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, see, talk to us, tell, tell us how you've determined what is maybe like legitimate, you know, um, pushback and <laughs> right. like, how do you determine that? Um, 
you know, for me, yeah, 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 yeah. How do you how do you determine that? And maybe even with regard to disagreement, sometimes I think we need to talk about the realities of what's what is undergirding the disagreement. Could there oh, be some sure. confirmation bias in there? Could Absolutely. there be some of you know? Can you speak to some of that? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and confirmation bias, right? When we're set up to hear something with a negative or positive frame. We will find it, we will search it out, and we will confirm that bias that we've, we've already been sent in to engage with. Right. So, um, you know, that's just very real. But one of the, I mean, obviously, I think um, God's word is what we are able to use to judge mm-hmm. the criticism that we received. And, and uh, which is why when people criticize, I say, well, show me in the word. Right. One of the reasons, <laughs> and, and, let, me, and let, me t- let me tell you why that's really important. <laughs> It's, it's, it's not me trying to be coy or trying to buy time or to be self-righteous. It's me saying that if I am wrong and I'm going to change, the only thing that will, will ensure deep, true, authentic spiritual change mm-hmm. would be the Holy Spirit working through the word of God anyway. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm changing because either I'm scared of you, A, B, I'm afraid of losing something. So I'm so it's not fear of the Lord. It's like a loss of maybe popularity or resources. And those are not good reasons <laughs> to change. <laughs> right. And so um so or or it's just or it's just your cultural mores. Like you just don't like that we speak in a way that that interchanges academia and black vernacular and all kind of, like you you just don't like who we are. And so to ch- so to change for that reason means I am now yielding and submitting to your cultural preference. That's not, no, that that's not enduring anyway. And that's made you the God of my conscience and that's a no go. So by saying, let's use the word to be able to examine what we say that is right or wrong or the tone or the spirit that we say it in, that puts us in a position um, to actually be able to have real deep rooted change. And here's the other thing. When that person goes back and searches scripture to figure out what, what, what they have an issue with the scripture itself, I believe by the power of the Holy spirit lays them there. Right. Yeah. So now they're engaging God's word and they're, and, and maybe just maybe they're finding out that that was really more about their opinion and their cultural norms than mm-hmm. what thus saith the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Yeah, because mm-hmm. our, our our conscience is bound to the word of God Absolutely. alone. Period. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's it. That is the only Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, the word of God will never pass away. You know, that's that will pass through the fire. All the rest yeah. of this stuff ain't. So mm-hmm. so yeah, I mm-hmm. think that that's really um important to keep in mind and and I guess what what is maybe the toll would you say um um and anybody can jump in on this but like of like say like mm-hmm. secondary trauma that comes mm-hmm. uh into play when when one is opposed fiercely um and maybe without warrant what does that do um to a person mm-hmm. or how does that impact because i don't think that's i know sometimes i don't think i i haven't always understood or are fully appreciated you know or recognize the fact mm-hmm. that i was like oh shoot i've gone through quite a significant amount of racial trauma um, mm-hmm. in my life because I never um, had that category, you know, and, and I don't, sure. people, when you read books about counseling or psychiatry, people don't really factor in racial trauma. But I, I mean, yeah. I, I, I am willing to, 
I, I'm pretty sure a lot of black folks and people of color have serious racial trauma. And I wonder mm-hmm. what does that look like, even just from your own perspective, you know, Steve, or even M, what you what your thoughts are on secondary trauma? How did how would that impact, um, you know, uh, maybe even our listeners who might be impacted yeah. by that? Yeah, well, I can I, tell. I can tell a quick story. Um, sure. And because you know all the frameworks and stuff, we got our resident therapist on the line. Okay. Okay. We, like, we need to have a call-in show one day. I'm serious. I just want to listen <laughs> to Christina advise people. I can do it. Have a ask now. We really gonna do up the intro for that one. Okay. Really. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So um, in 2014, when I first um, mm. started working in St. Louis, the specific, the specific justice movements in our city, um, I found out, my dad and I found out that um, people were sending death threats via, you know, church website or, you know, other things. And mm. I got some threats via email and we, we did what we felt necessary um, through local official channels. Uh, and mm-hmm. I talked about it really openly in what I knew were safe spaces with my friends around my family. And I really am, am still just resonating with what Christina was talking about in terms of um, hearing things from the lips of people who despise you, from the lips of people who mean you harm, what can you see, what can you gain? And and sometimes when there is nothing Mm. to gain from the lips of those who would rejoice in your destruction, Mm -hmm. only the Lord can comfort you to obey the command to love your enemies. What in the world am I supposed to do upon reading verbiage like, your children are aborted fetuses. What, mm. what am I mm. supposed to mm. gain from the lips of those who have the gall to, to speak such things to me? I, and yet I, I must love my enemies and bless the ones who actually curse me. How mm. does one yeah. survive? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so in trying to do that, I went to all these different places in my mind where I'm like, Lord, I don't have anything but despising for those who despise me. <laughs> and yet, and yet so by, it, it, yes. And yet by God's grace, the hard thing that all of us are called to do in the tiniest little just interactions with people who flick us off on the highway or folks who cut in front of us in line, the thing God is calling us all to do is to be not only the least anxious person in the room, but the most gracious person in the conflict. Mm. And all of that is based in my testimony that while I was yet myself a murderer Mm. through deeds of gossip, through deeds of judgment, through Mm -hmm. deeds of shaming other women's bodies, while I was yet putting my family members to death, Jesus saved my life. Mm. And so in those spaces where I was saying that, what I failed to do was to begin to testify of what I was experiencing to my safe spaces. All these people who had just absorbed all my pain and my trauma, and yes, my hate and my despising. Um, I, I want us all to remember to testify of our ongoing being transformed from glory to glory and God showing mm. us and moving us. So not two years, maybe less than that, 
after the initial threats to my life and to my dad's life, my son just broke down into tears when I was headed to a march that would be overall safe. I was headed to do a public disruption. And he said, Mommy, they're going to kill you. You're mm. going to die. And that's what I know about your work is that it's you're going to die. And then someday, because black men are hated, they're going to kill me and they're going to kill mm. Papa. That's what he calls my dad. And mm. I and I just it dawned on me that in my own pain, I failed to center again, the most marginalized person in my family, mm. my child. Mm. I failed to center mm. him even in my pain because he absorbed a trauma that was not meant for him, yet mm. impacted him deeply. Wow. So that's just one story of Powerful. secondary trauma that we all have to deal with that, yeah. Absolutely, so absolutely. I think, I, I don't think I could say it any better than um, what you provided, um, Michelle. And I, I'll, you know, I just, for whatever the two cents is worth, I'll just add, you know, that secondary trauma, that's a, that's that vicarious identification, right? Mm -hmm. With someone else's trauma or pain, you know, therapists, a lot of my uh, initial training was in trauma work. So sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, church mm -hmm. hurt, <laughs> right? Um, which is its own form of trauma um, for sure. Um, and, <laughs> and when you hear someone's story that you can deeply identify with. So mm -hmm. for example, hypothetically, let's say you have three black Christian women um, mm. who, uh, just, <laughs> just throwing it out there, who, um, it appears that there are people who are, um, insulting them and demeaning them and assuming the worst mm. about them in a very public viral way. Mm. Um, women and others who identify with those women in some shape or form begin to feel, uh, kind of the, the shock waves of, that tra the trauma that they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think what, what you articulated at the end, especially Michelle, about this, even in the midst of our suffering and our fear and our victimization, um, for the believer, we're always thinking about redemptive engagement, right? Mm -hmm. So it is, how do I endure um, these insults and this, this criticism in a way that it is a witness to the people who mm -hmm. identify with me and more importantly, identify as children of, of our God. Mm -hmm. Um, how do I engage it in a way that, um, it's didactic, that there's something to learn that points to Christ, that, that mm -hmm. points to Jesus's love, to Jesus self-sacrifice. How do I redemptively engage criticism that is unwarranted and unfair mm -hmm. and biased? Um, but that it can be done in a way in which it gives God glory. I think when people are going to experience that vicarious trauma response, it's also important that those of us who the Lord has, has seen it fit, um, to allow us to be the catalyst for that particular transformational conflict moment, mm. um, that we really cry out, uh, to our Lord that, uh, and, and really rely on God's spirit to fill us in God's word to guide us so that um, when the dust clears, we can say, um, we try to engage that redemptively for your glory, Lord. And we try mm -hmm. to be 
a person who loved um, our brothers and sisters, those who deeply identified with us through it and Mm -hmm. shed tears and and contacted us. Mm -hmm. And for those brothers and sisters who were the ones um, being critical and harsh, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. did we engage this redemptively, Lord? Um, In in Christ, did we please you, Father? Mm -hmm. And so I think that also helps with... um, with, with, you know, with the reality of secondary trauma, redemptive, redemptively engaging suffering and criticism, um, and knowing that the Lord has a plan that's bigger than what we can imagine. And that mm-hmm. all these little, these little puzzle pieces are coming together and, uh, we can't really see it for what it mm-hmm. is, but mm-hmm. trusting that, right. um, our Lord is working something out quite beautiful for our good and for his glory. Amen. Mm. Amen. That's good. So it looks like, um, it looks like we, so far in our Black Reform Survival Guide, we have some <laughs> tools, we got some tips or tools, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so we got community in there, and I'm just going off the top of my head. So we have community. Yeah. Um, we have the understanding that conflict, you know, intention um, can actually uh, be the spirit at work, right? Absolutely. And so we shouldn't always avoid that. We should press into that. Uh, we also have uh, redemptive engagement. Um, mm-hmm. And then, am I missing something? Redemptive engagement, having those, oh, and then ha- having an understanding of maybe secondary traumas that are in play um, and how mm-hmm. to gird ourselves up against that um, mm-hmm. by, by having those, our eyes set, you know, to Christ and, 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 yeah. and who is watching, right, and impacted. Um, by mm-hmm. that as well. So what, it, just one more, I want us to talk about just one more tip or tool <laughs> in, the, in the bag uh, or in, yeah, the guide, yeah. in the guide. I'm sorry, I'm getting a mix of my stuff. You know, so, our guide, hey, the right? Guide <laughs> the guide could be a bag. The guide could be a bag, whatever. Whatever works it's for a you. trash bag full you, of you know? <laughs> Whatever works for you. Your knapsack, I don't know. Um, so, a coach what, bag, a coach what, bag. Yes. <laughs> How about a Birkin? Yes. Why not? Why not? You know, hey, it could be whatever you want it to be. This is our group chat. Right this is our group chat. Yeah. So what do we do? What is our last tip? And I'm thinking now about uh, women who are in these circles, who are uh, who are hyper minorities, right? One or two, mm-hmm. maybe four tops. You know, of black people in their congregation. Um, what do we do for those people who have people who consider them? Um, they can be white, they can be non-black, um, who consider themselves allies, you know, but they're not willing to really stand and lock arms, you know, um, mm-hmm. with us, right, when the conflict arises. So, so you know, they're, they're like that Nic- Nicodemus ministry, as you said, Michelle, so they come to us at midnight, they slip into our inbox or shoot us a text <laughs> and say, I'm so sorry this is happening, and then they dip. Right. And then they never they never um, defend your cause amongst Mm -hmm. those who are opposing you um, because they're afraid of their own reputation. They're afraid of losing their standing um, with people. And they think it better to stand aside than to be reviled alongside Mm -hmm. you. So what do you do with with um, people like that? Those those fake allies? You know, what what Mm -hmm. what is that like? I want to quickly say that what we what we love Uh, is the ability to press in and to speak on things that so many of our sisters and mothers and aunties experience Mm -hmm. without the fear of any clapback that could come. So I I am going to fearlessly 
speak to the fact that our goal, our our deep hope as children of God is to see even the people who are deathly afraid of loving folks who are despised. Our hope is to see them embrace us and all those other folks publicly. And in saying that, I have no judgment Mm -hmm. to folks who pretend to be my ally. I only have a request that if you will not inform the world that you will welcome me to to your table, uh, then would you consider the reasons behind your inability to be honest? So one brief uh, hypothetical situation, uh, not so hypothetical. We do have different folks who will say, I would stand with you, except I'm afraid people will judge me Mm -hmm. for standing with you. And they'll be honest about that. And I Mm -hmm. appreciate their honesty. And they're right. Our our (laughs) job is to ask them to investigate that fear. That's what you have to do with an ally who has turned out to be a foul eye. Uh, (laughs) Please investigate your presumption that you're supporting me would inform people that you and I never disagree. I mean, good Lord, the three of us disagree. (laughs) And yet I will publicly risk whatever it takes to defend y'all as my sisters without the worry that I am blindly presuming that you are God. Mm -hmm. And so we have to investigate the reasons that faux allies enter into that area of thought. Why, what is going on? What is inspiring them or worse? What is deceiving them? Mm -hmm. And again, it is the authenticity of our faith that allows us to say, I'm broken. And so I will not be shocked by my own failures. I believe that some fake allies are surprised by their own failures because they have been deceived into thinking that they are capable of perfection. Mm -hmm. And so when we come out and say some people are allies, some people are fake allies, don't hear us being judgmental. Hear us actually being people who are capable of failure ourselves, asking our friends, why are you so afraid when I tell you that I feel you have failed me? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Fear is a monster. I mean, it really is a monster. And a lot of times when we talk about ally allyship and ally work, particularly in like the anti-racism, racial reconciliation arenas, I don't even know how much I like those terms. I've just got all kinds of problems with it, but um, <laughs> I just do, you know, cause I, I think, I think they're missing something there and it becomes like a badge of honor. Like it's my, um, my girl scout badge, you know? Um, and so I, so I just think it's, it's problematic, but what, one of the things I always tell people is that if you talk about something like racism, for example, we can talk about lots of topics. We've talked about mm-hmm. racism. Look, white people know racism is scary. Mm-hmm. Even, even the white people who would deny systemic racism or, um, who or, or try to deny racism altogether as I believe at some point they know that it's scary and that's why they don't step forward because white people know white people better than I know white people right. um <laughs> it's, I mean it's the same thing with sexism and, and, and chauvinism and, and you know misogyny right. right so men know you know men know what it's like to be the guy that got teased in the locker room because he mm. really valued some girl in high school um, and didn't want people talking down about her. He knows what that felt like. Mm-hmm. And there really are consequences. Now, that doesn't make an excuse because I think ultimately at the end of the day, 
We all need to figure out someone outside of ourselves, some group outside of the group that we belong to, to advocate for. Otherwise, our advocacy is nothing more than an extension of our narcissism. If you only care about people who fit your demographic block, then you really only care about yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I have to have a burden for Syria. I have to have a burden for Muslims who are impacted by Islamophobia. I don't have to agree with their doctrine or theology to know without a doubt that they are made in the image of God. There is no doubt about that. I don't have to... I don't have to give a long dissertation about sexual ethics and and orthodox biblical ethics to know that transgender people are made in the image of God. If they're not made in the image of God, then anyone who has ears to hear what I'm saying is not made in the image of God. I mean, so, and, and, uh, and if I don't say something, and if I'm only talking about folks who fit my Christina's demographic block, Mm -hmm. then really, really I'm only concerned about me. That's I'm right. only concerned about me instead of the creation, the, the people that God has created who have right. intrinsic worth simply because they have been created by he who holds all worth, dignity, value, and glory, God himself. So, um, so yeah, I, I agree with you, Michelle. I think that having some degree of empathy and understanding towards people who want to be allies. And the truth is, mm-hmm. look, we're we just not there yet. It's a journey. Mm-hmm. None of us are That's there right. yet. That's None right. of us are there yet, you know. Um, and so, by God's grace and by God's spirit, um, He God gives us the right intentions, and then He gives us the spirit to be more and more like Jesus, who is, uh, yeah, the 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 perfect example of self sacrifice mm-hmm. on behalf right. of those who don't deserve it at all. That's yeah. right. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think uh, you know we've a recurring theme has been the need for discernment. Mm-hmm. And so I think, um, I mean, I, I mean, I really, I really wish self-awareness was something that everybody has, but it's just not something <laughs> that everybody has. You know, and so. There's lots of reasons I, why we don't want that. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, uh, that's not to say that I have complete self-awareness, but I, I, I know some of my very serious sins and falls, and I know some of my strengths, you know, and so I think, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and discernment is actually one of my gifts. And so I can, and I have a very strong discernment. So I can see some things that are very, very clearly that other people can't see. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I'm like, why can't you see that? It's so obvious. You know? <laughs> it's obvious and that's that other how people. it manifests. And exactly. That's how it manifests. And so then you got, I got to check self-righteousness and I got to check judgment, Absolutely. right? Cause I can see a lot of stuff before some people can see it. Right. And so, yeah. which is a hard gift. It's a hard gift to manage, to be honest. Um, and so I think mm-hmm. for me, when it comes to phallies, it is really, really important to have discernment. And so, mm-hmm. and to that even it's partic- particularly if your phalli doesn't know that they're a phalli. <laughs> And it swears that they're up and down. They are an ally, they believe, you know, which I actually don't have a problem with the term ally. I think you're joining up for a cause of support. So I I think it kind of takes the onus off of yourself onto whatever that cause happens to be. So for me, I don't have a problem with it, you know, um, but, but yes, I think it would be important to be able to discern where that person is on their journey. Maybe they're just now starting to read up, you know, on a lot of the the issues, systemic racism, you know, um, institutional racism and how that impacts, you know, um, black lives. Um, And, you know, and yeah, just the whole, I could keep on going, but you know, this is a different podcast. Help me. You know, because God about to go into white supremacy, but I'm not going to go there. (laughs) You you have to say that at least one time on every podcast. 
white supremacy. So, so yeah, so, um, so maybe they're just starting on their journey, right? And so you just gotta, you gotta give grace, you know, but know where they are, you know, so that you know, you know, for your own health, for your own sanity, that they not finna get hit with a mud pie, you know, like you are. They're not gonna take a bullet for you. Just be aware. Yeah, or anything, you know, so just be aware of where that person is so that you know, you know, just how to be able to to do life, you know, with them, you know, and what what that might cost, you know, as far as maybe educating that person, as far as walking, you know, with that person or challenging that person, you know, um, to get out of the Nicodemus ministry. I don't know what that looks like, you know, um, Mm. for you, but I think that if if your ally lacks the self-awareness, I think it's important. It's going to be, a, it's a major key. You need to have the discernment to know where, who, who your people are. Yeah. I think we all need to know who our village is. I mean, that's, that's really, who yeah. are my aces? Like, who yeah. are the ones? And that's not to say, my mama always said this, your friends will betray you. Mm. Judas betrayed Jesus, which is true. Your friends are, we're fallen. We're fallen yeah, people. Absolutely. They will always let you down. Your spouse absolutely, will let you down. Your, your ace will let you down. Absolutely. Your allies will let you down. I don't even care how down they are, right? They're not yeah. even, I'm not even talking about fake allies anymore. Your allies will let you down because we're human beings, absolutely. you know? Um, but I think it's just, just important to see where, have the discernment to know where people are at. And if you don't ask God, you know, mm. um, who, who gives graciously, you know, to those who ask, ask him for, to give you wisdom and discernment not to judge people but just to really understand okay this is where this person is at you know and and you know and just continue and and that's okay that doesn't you don't have to condemn them you know but that's where they are and that way you know how you should proceed you know and how to move forward and I don't know if that's helpful but that's something for me anyway I've had to discern and figure out um for myself as well yeah expectations are important Right. Yeah. Knowing and what to knowing, expect is important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And knowing that staying in the room it often is going to mean that Peter and Jesus story, right? We look at the story of our God who mm-hmm. made the person who cussed people out around that fire pit so many years ago. He right. said, I don't know that Mickey Ficky, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but wait a minute, Peter, you did. Mm-hmm. And so when people cuss out our friends, like, I don't know a Kimini, she ain't mm-hmm. my friend. Wait a minute. Now we... We text him back and forth like we love each other. No, there, yeah. there is space for all of us in the church. This is how we survive. Mm-hmm. This is how we stay in the room, knowing that the God who loved us, who betrayed, who denied him, is teaching us to continue to love those who would deny us. And what are we? What are we in comparison yeah. to yeah. the Christ? Hey Amen. Who are we? You know, yeah. people, folks stay mm. dis- disowning me. That's fine. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm nothing. I'm <laughs> the Lord, so it don't matter. It really doesn't matter. You know, Christ, <laughs> hey, Christ, Christ got me before the foundation of the world. He got all of us. So mm-hmm. that's, that's all that matters at the end of the day. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's a Girl you know, Scout like, badge worth having. That's a good come one. Come on. That's it. Hidden that's in Christ. It. Oh, somebody that's put it on a T-shirt. <laughs> that's it and that and that will pass through the fire and that's all that matters you know um so thank you thank you ladies for providing these very yeah. important tips for the black reform women's survival guide uh and to our listeners we want to thank you for taking a seat at the table with us this week let's keep the conversation going please tweet us your thoughts um about the reform black women's survival guide uh <laughs> give us some additional tips that you have hey this is a working document Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, it's a working bag. I don't know what I want to say. Document bag, book, whatever. <laughs> bag and pocket. 
Exactly. So yeah, so uh, please add to the bag, the guide, the book, whatever, using the hashtag truth table. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at truth table or email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on the Satchel Podcast Player. Truth's Table is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit Pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York, and we have been your hosts, Akemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth's Table. Peace.